Hey there, thanks for joining us for the latest podcast from Resound Church. We really believe that together we are better, and our heart is to reach, send, nurture, and disciple people as they become all that God has intended them to be. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or head over to our website, resound.church forward slash app, to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. Nehemiah, back with my good friend Nehemiah. And here he is, he's in a precarious position. See, he works for a guy who doesn't like people to be grumpy around him. The king, Artaxerxes, is known to execute people if they're people that come in to serve him are grumpy. How would that be? I know I don't like working with people when they're grumpy. I usually say something, get out of your bad mood or something like that. But I don't take their life simply because they're grumpy, but Nehemiah worked for a guy who took their life if they were grumpy. And so we find Nehemiah here in chapter 2 in a very, very difficult situation. Nehemiah is sad. Now, there's nothing wrong with sadness. We, we all get sad from time to time. Uh, sadness is, is not a death threat, you know, except for Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, we, we know why he was sad. We heard about that in session one, a little bit in session two probably as well. But we know Nehemiah was sad because he was burdened for his people. And that burden hadn't lifted. That burden hadn't been removed. It was still with him. It was like a, a weight on his shoulders that he carried. And so we find Nehemiah, back to his day job, going in as cupbearer to the king. And Nehemiah can't hide the fact that he's sad. And as a consequence of that, he's putting his life at risk because King Artaxerxes has this habit of losing people um, if they're a little bit grumpy. And so on this particular day, as Nehemiah enters the king's chamber, the king notices that Nehemiah is just, just not his jovial self. The king asks a question, I don't... I don't know what it'd be like. Just imagine if you're in Nehemiah's place. You're sad and you can't lift the sadness, but you know the sadness could well cost you your life. And the king asks the questions, tell me why you're sad. Nehemiah's thinking, I'm in big trouble here. I've got to have a really good reason to be sad because this is not only uh, not only my future, but the king himself doesn't like being, having his emotions affected by other people either. And so Nehemiah starts with his story and he shares the story of his people. He shares the story of the city. He shares the story of the broken walls. The, the king would have been aware of the exiles and the process that had happened. And, um, and really, Nehemiah is looking for favor from the king. As he shares the story, surprisingly... The king asks a simple yet profound question. It goes like this. How can I help you? The king obviously was showing some affection towards Nehemiah. He was concerned that Nehemiah was sad, which indicates something about the relationship. But he responds in a quite profound way. He says, how can I help you? This is not a personal matter. This is a corporate matter. It's a, it, it, it's a civil matter. It's, a, it's about the rebuilding of a, a city. It's about the rebuilding of a walls. Uh, it, it's about huge resources. And the king asks Nehemiah, he says, well, how can I help you? Nehemiah blurts it out. 
And the reason he blurts it out is because the weight and the pressure of the solution is way bigger than Nehemiah is able to handle. What he blurts out is this, I need money, I need people, I need materials, I need protection from the people in other nations, governors of other states, I, I, I need time off work, I, I, I need everything that, I, uh, th that needs for me to accomplish the rebuilding of the walls. It's a massive civil project. It's going to take uh, a master, if you like, to negotiate the, the upset in the region as far as um, people and pressure. There were people that around Jerusalem, the happy the walls were gone. Why? Because Jerusalem is no longer a threat. They could walk over the people. They could take control of them. Uh, so the king asks that question, how can I help you? Nehemiah blurts it all out. The king's response is really quite simple. Yeah, sure, no problem. I'll give you letters, I'll give you, um, you know, resources as far as people to travel with you to keep you safe. I'll give you letters to the governors. Not only will they provide uh, a, a, a safe path for you, but they will provide materials that you need. Uh, I'll do whatever is necessary so you can get across and do the thing that God has burdened you with. Now, he didn't use the word God has burdened, but we know from the start of chapter one that it was God who was burdening Nehemiah to do this. And, and you see, in many ways, this was an answer to prayer for Nehemiah. Because you've got a, an individual in Nehemiah who perhaps would have had some small amount of resource, but nothing compared to the civil project that was required. And, and so in some ways, this was confirmation from God that God would supply everything that Nehemiah needed to do the job. Now, some of you at that point think, oh, well, the job's done. It's all complete now. No, no, no. This is just the beginning. As I said in the first session, it started with inquiry. Uh, Nehemiah was moved with emotion and thirdly began to put in effort. And the effort was into that negotiating prayer. And now we find him in the start of chapter 2 talking to the king. And, um, and this is like the confirmation he needs following the prayer. The king says, I'm going to give you all you need. Or if we can put it another way, God will supply all your needs. Uh, Nehemiah wasn't working for the king, he was working for God. And God promised to give him everything that he needed for the task that he was presented with. I want to stop for just a moment. I want you to think of this. When God challenges you with something, when he speaks to you deep in your spirit, most of the time the thing that he challenges you to do is beyond you. It's bigger than you. It's beyond your resources. It may be the restoration of a relationship. It may be a change of vocation. It may be some significant civil project or a dream to do something profound. It wasn't that long ago that we, we did an interview uh, and talked about uh, with Jossie Chaka. We talked about the impact uh, that CFI or MPART has had in, in the nations where it goes. 30,000 communities transformed. It started with a dream, well beyond the person who received the dream, and it made a significant, profound impact. Now, it may be that God is speaking to you about something. Let me tell you, a sign that God is speaking to you about it is found in the fact that you don't have what it takes to get it done. Nehemiah didn't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. Don't be, uh, don't, be, uh, don't, don't be upset that you don't have what it takes. God has what it takes. All he needs is for you to respond positively. And so we find Nehemiah. 
he goes through the process, gets all of the letters that he needs, gets the resources that he's after, and he finally arrives in Jerusalem. Now, understand at this point in Jerusalem, the temple is probably partially rebuilt. The walls are broken down. Uh, The city itself is still in a state of destruction. There are people living inside the walls, outside the walls. The houses are not yet rebuilt. In other words, the people have not yet got a place to dwell that is back to normal or safe. They're probably living in shanties or whatever. Now, these people are broken down. They've been beaten up. Their their city has been destroyed. Some of them have returned from exile. Some of them stayed uh, while others were exiled. But you're talking about a group of people who are now uh, in a place where they're insecure because if anyone wants to raid Jerusalem, they simply ride on in there. Uh, There's no walls to protect them, no sense of security. Jerusalem. Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem and then what happens is he begins to investigate. He doesn't call the people together first, but he begins to investigate what's required for the walls to be rebuilt. And interestingly, we find him, he goes out at night. We're we're talking about a a man of some authority with guards. And yet he chooses to sneak out at night and check the condition of the walls. In other words, he began to work out what needed to be done for the walls to be rebuilt. It reminds me of Jesus speaking about a tower being built. He says, you know, um, a wise man calculates the cost before he begins building. The foolish man starts building and then realizes that he hasn't got what's required to complete the task. Nehemiah, at this point, though he had some insight into what was required, he did a hands-on, face-to-face inspection of the walls to determine just what was required for the task to be complete. He did this at night when no one could see him, when no one knew what was going on. After he'd done an assessment, he called together some key leaders in Jerusalem. And he began to sit down and talk with them about what was required. And their response was a wholehearted, yes, we'll, we'll do this together. Why did they say that? You know, we talk about testimonies. Testimonies are important. Why are testimonies important? Because they give the trajectory of a story. It started when Nehemiah first heard about what was happening. It was, he was moved by emotion. He then put in some effort. He got the resources that was required and he got stuck into the job. And so when he's telling the story, what happens is the people actually realize, hey, this is more than just Nehemiah. It's, it's, it's God is calling this man to do this. And so it's really quite profound. And so there's a, a few simple points I want to make to, uh, today from this passage of scripture in chapter two. The first is this respond to the call. When you're challenged to do something, do something in response. Don't just stand off. Don't just back away. Don't just ignore it. Don't just think, oh, well, I made that up myself. You need to respond to the call in the way that Nehemiah responded to the call. The walls wouldn't have been built had Nehemiah not responded in the first instance. And we know it's not our initiative. It's it's God's initiative in us and through us that makes the difference. It's, um, it's, it, it's, it's us responding, it's not us initiating. Um, when, we, and, uh, when we respond, he commits to undertaking, he commits to helping out, he commits to resourcing. And the, the task is us working with him and for him as opposed to us doing it all by ourselves. You know, it may be a social need that you need to address. It may be uh, a relationship that needs to be restored. It may be some project that you want to build. 
respond to the call that you've received. So the question is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about? What is he saying? What, what, what inkling do you have internally? What, um, what is it that he's been moving you internally about? You know, what, what is it that you want to do? What is it that you need to resolve? You need to respond to the call. It's going to make a significant difference. God is not saying it for fun. He's not teasing you. He's wanting you to respond. The second thing is this. When you respond to the call, you need to understand you're in the right place at the right time and the resources that God has in mind will flow to you. So when you respond, you're responding at the right place at the right time. God knows what's going on. This is not something we've generated, something we've organized, something we've made up. It's something he's brought about and we're simply responding to him. The second thing is you've got to raise the issue. The courage needed to resolve a matter is germinated in the first steps taken to raise a matter. If you can't raise the matter, you won't be able to resolve it. If I have a problem with somebody... The, uh, the thought of the relationship being restored may be a significant thing. It's never going to be restored unless I first of all raise the matter with the individual. And raising the matter doesn't mean you've got a resolution. It just simply means you're willing to start. It takes courage to raise the issue. I remember many years ago uh, in, a, in an era past where you needed or I wanted to ask for a pay rise. It was a significant thing. You would go to a boss and the, the systems and processes were quite different when I was a lot younger. And you would have to go to the boss and you would have to open your mouth and say, hey, I'm worth more than what you're paying for, uh, paying me for. And, um, and there would be this interaction that would go backwards and forwards. You could be putting at risk your whole job. Uh, you could be uh, putting yourself in a place of ridicule. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes on in simply raising a matter. As a matter of fact, there's a, another thing uh, that, that uh, is really critical, and that is when it comes to asking someone to marry you. you. You know, you may want to be married, but there is a point in which you have to raise the matter. Now, I know how difficult that has been for some people. In this day and age, young guys go out, they spend all sorts of money trying to create the right moment because they're not really confident that they'll get the right answer. But in my day, we were confident. We didn't have to go to all that expense. We just simply asked the question. So my question to you is, are you willing to raise the matter that God is speaking to you about? Nehemiah was filled with trepidation and fear. He went into the king's chambers filled with trepidation and fear. But when the crunch come, he told the truth about what the real issue was. You need to raise the matter if you're going to get to the point where you're able to resolve it. You need to rally the resource that you need. You know, when it comes to doing something, there needs to be resources that you have access to. But the resources come through God's provision. But some people think, oh, well, we'll just wait. When the resources come, then we'll do what's required. Well, sometimes you need to be ready to know what's required. You see, at the moment the king asked, how can I help you to Nehemiah? Nehemiah already knew what was required. He knew what resources, what resources were required. And he answered in a fulsome way so he could get the outcome that he was after. And you know, we don't have the resources, but God does. We need to pray. We need to be ready to ask. And when someone asks us what's required, we need to be ready to tell them what's required. What do you need to do uh, the thing that God has called you to do? Do you need more courage? Do you need to be more forgiving? 
Do, do you need to uh, increase your understanding or your knowledge in some particular sphere? Uh, maybe it's you, you, you want to reach out to homeless people. Do you understand the situation? Or are you just naively going to rush in and solve the problem that no one else has been able to solve? You need to understand what resources are required if you're going to resolve the issue. And, um, and unless you do the research necessary, you can't raise the resources because you won't know what's actually required. It's like goes back to what Jesus said, build the tower. You've got to work out what it's going to cost if you're going to build the tower. If you don't know what it's going to cost, it's very, very likely that you won't have the resources that are required to do the thing. So the, the final point I want to make today is about getting the job done. Do, do you know, so many people put in so much time and effort. I, I, I'd love to know the percentage of plans that architects draw that never end up in being buildings. I, I would say it's probably 60, 70, maybe even 80% of the plans that architects draw never result in a building being built. It might be part of the process, but the bottom line is this. Many people hear from God. They inquire. Their emotions are connected. They put in some effort with regards to prayer. They might know what resources they require. But when the crunch comes, they don't rebuild the wall. They don't do what needs to be done. Now, the people in Jerusalem responded to Nehemiah when he gathered the leaders together, said what he wanted to do, and he organized them and said, this is what we're going to do. Now, there's so much more to the story. I haven't got time to talk about that today. And others will pick up some of the juicy parts, like how they had to fight on the wall, uh, stand on the wall with a, uh, putting a rock in place with one hand and a sword in the other. There's so many great insights in this, in this particular book. But what we've got is Nehemiah kickstarting the project. It says, let's get going. Let's organize ourselves. Let's build this wall in a way that will enable the people in the city to feel a sense of security. You need to get started. If God has spoken to you about something, uh, get, go through the process, but get started. Do something. There are too, there's too much procrastination. People think that procrastination is somehow a, a, you know, a credit to them. It's not a credit. It's just you not doing what needs to be done when it should be done. And what we need to do is respond to the call of God in our life and then get started on doing what needs to be done so that God can be glorified through the outcome and we can be satisfied with the process. You're building the, rebuilding the walls. It took them just under two months. I think it was 57 days. And um, that was despite the challenges that they faced. Not only was it hard physical labor, but they suffered persecution. They had people threatening them, but they kept working despite the challenges they faced. And I don't want you to be naive in this. Whatever it is God is calling you to do will be bigger than you, but you can do it. It will require resources you don't have, but God will provide them. All you have to do is commit to the thing that God is challenging you to do and get started. Rebuild the wall. Rebuild the wall. Rebuild the wall. Don't, don't just stand there. Don't, don't just think about it. Get going and get something done. I'm going to pray and then we'll finish. Father, thank you for what you've spoken to us about today. My prayer is that you would speak to people in profound ways about the things that you have got in mind for them, their purpose, their plans, their future rests in your hands, but in a way it rests in theirs as well. And so my prayer today is simply give them the courage to get started on the thing that you're calling them to do so that their life will improve 
and the lives of others will improve in the process. Father, bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. Hey, what a great message. Thanks for joining us here at Resound Church. We pray that you've been encouraged through the message and that you've grown just a little bit closer to God. While you're online, why don't you head over and give us a like on Facebook or Instagram or check out our website at resound.church. You can subscribe to our content on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or head over to our website resound.church forward slash app to grab our app, which will keep you up to date with everything going on. Well, don't forget next week, there'll be another amazing podcast here to listen to from Resound Church. We hope you join us then.